This is the Nutanix Community Podcast with Angelo Luciani, episode 52. Here we go. Thanks for joining me today. We are continuing our spotlight of talks from Dot Next in New Orleans. This week on the podcast, we join our friends from The Cube, Stu Miniman and Keith Townsend, who did an interview with Sunil Poti, Chief Product and Development Officer at Nutanix. Sunil digs into the announcements from the show, talks cloud strategy, and discusses the core platform. You'll enjoy this one. Let's join the conversation. From New Orleans, Louisiana, it's the Cube covering .next Conference 2018. Brought to you by Nutanix. This is SiliconANGLE Media's production of the Cube live in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm Stu Miniman with my co-host Keith Townsend. Happy to welcome back to the program, fresh off the keynote stage, marching band. You know, floats coming in, Mardi Gras atmosphere, and a slew of new products and updates. Sunil yeah. Pody, Chief Product and Development Officer at Nutanix. Sunil, thanks for joining us. Yeah, likewise, Stu. Anytime. All right, so a lot <laughs> that you covered in, so let's get into it. Uh, start with, you know, just some, some of the broad company updates. We've been talking about this journey for making, you know, everything invisible. Mm, uh, mm, I'm mm. waiting that the, the next time you're going to have the invisible man is, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 you're putting no, the we, IT we, person we, forward. Yeah, uh, you know, we talk about that continuum between all the way from mainframes to like whatever, HCI to now we've got uh, cloud instance, hyperconverged, then cloud, and then there's functions. Then eventually we'll have NAS, which is nothing as a service, right? <laughs> or something like that. But I mean, our journey, I think, of invisible uh, infrastructure started off with hyperconvergence of compute and storage. And essentially, it's just increased layers of convergence is how we see it. So if you can converge the, net, the networking stack, we converge the automation aspects, then we go into invisible data centers, and then eventually, if you hyperconverge the clouds, capex and opex, public cloud, pirate clouds, distributed clouds, then you get an invisible cloud. So it's essentially. I think that's really how we've sort of professed this conference is invisible infrastructure evolving to invisible data centers to evolving to invisible clouds. Yeah, so, so Neil, what, one of the things, if we've been talking to your customers, the question is, who is the Nutanix customer? So mm. when, mm. when you, we talked about kind of HCI, mm. even before it was HCI, it was let's get ourselves out of the silos. You're mm. working with the administrators and the mm. architects. Mm. As you build some of these things, you know, you've got a new SaaS offering, uh, you've got you know, micro-segmentation, you're touching yeah. more of the business and sometimes going up the stack too. Yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Who, who do you see as yeah, the I mean, I, th customers? I think uh, for us, you know, if we just stayed as a broad HCI platform play, then we'd probably be slowly making up our way of between uh, the server guys and the uh, storage guys and maybe the director of infrastructure and so forth. And, and a lot of it has been groundswell movement for Nutanix over the last six, seven years, right? But you know, this is what I talk about it to our customers. Like when you actually go to cloud on AWS or GCP, there is no storage admin, there is no server admin, there's no there's only a cloud architect. And so I think that's what we've seen over the last few years is this evolution to this one single org called the cloud org within enterprises. And then you heard me say this before: is about this. You know, eventually, as we move up our value up the stack, as we go from invisible infrastructure to clouds, our relevancy is also growing to the CIO, because the CIO can now be the 
CAO, which is the chief Amazon officer, the chief Alphabet, or the chief Azure officer. Essentially the chief cloud officer, where we can help them blur the lines between AWS inside, which is Nutanix, and then AWS outside. Yeah, I, I love that, because when we talk to customers, it's not, I'm building out my multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, composite, whatever you want to call it. It's, we're figuring out our digital transformation yeah. and we've got applications, we've got stuff we're sassifying, there's cool things I built uh, you know, in, in the public cloud and, and I've got you know, my data center and the transformation uh, that, 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 that I'm going through there. Um, so, the question I have for you is, what is Nutanix's position in the cloud. I didn't hear you going up on stage saying you're going to put you know, five to $10 billion a year into building out data sure, centers sure, and sure. availability zones sure, and all sure, those sure, things sure, there. Sure. Sometimes people misconstrue some of the journey and things like Xi and they're mm. like, oh, it, it rhymes with what Amazon's doing or even many times you know, similar services to an Amazon mm. there but you mm. partnerships mm. with the public cloud providers mm. and you know, it's, yeah, please yeah. help us Let, set the yeah, record yeah. straight that you're no, I, not I think, standing I, up a public yeah, cloud. No, I, think, I think, look, we, we think increasingly the world of the world of clouds is a, is a dispersed world, right? I mean, you had to say that, that we think of this construct called the core cloud, which is essentially both you know, a private version and a public version that's harmonized together into this one enterprise core cloud. But then, increasingly, we are seeing a cloud-like architecture in a remote office branch office or in a retail store. So we call that the distributed cloud. And then, it's also with IoT especially, it's getting extended all the way to the edge. Whether it be a one-node Nutanix deployment, talking to a data center of clusters, talking to GCP for machine learning. So we think that the world of clouds is going to emerge as the de facto standard. And public cloud just happens to be a big percentage of that. Private cloud will also be a decent percentage of that, so will these other clouds. So what we need is, I guess, one OS to bind them all, right? And that's the end goal for what we're embarking on. And so what, one of the things that we've recognized is, oh, one of the different kinds of clouds is an extended enterprise cloud where instead of having two primary data centers and two secondary data centers and then having five cloud availability zones, why even be in the secondary business? What if the secondary data centers were subsumed into a cloud as a service but you retain the same operational tooling as your primary data center. And that's really where Xi's footprint comes in, is it's to augment what a customer is going through his journey of private cloud or public cloud to this distributed cloud environment, that there will be certain use cases that need to be fulfilled using the same cloud architecture. So Sunil, let's talk about the customer journey alongside <coughs> Nutanix's journey. You guys are walking term I heard a lot so far in the conference is Nutanix is our partner. Mm. Our partner in this journey to, in digital transformation. However, the customer today is very much an infrastructure customer. Mm. You guys talk to developers, internal customers, of your customers. What has been that story and what has been that conversation? What have, what have you guys learned mm. and what have you taught your customers along the yeah, way? Yeah, I mean I think it's, look, you know, we, we genuinely know, as I've mentioned on stage today, that you know, we're, we're, we're in another decade's worth of journey as we go from invisible infrastructure to invisible clouds. Right? That's not going to happen in six months or so. But what we're finding is that uh, in the last, I would say, four to five years, the view of what cloud can be used for, the why of cloud has changed. Initially, it used to be, oh, I need to get past IT by developers. Then it eventually became, oh, no, 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 I need to use it as a way to, you know, to deliver a better IT. Now it's being used as a way to actually drive my business. And that's why we use the word digital transformation, just because it's a direct connotation to driving the top line, right? 
So when you look at our customers and the journey that we are on, we also want to set expectations of what we are versus what we are not, right? So we're not about enabling the applications to be built in the, in the sense that you know, we're not application software companies. But right. at the end of the day though, if you can abstract out all the, if I can call it issues, below an app and allow IT or the business to focus on a new org that we're calling you know, the CIO and the CTO merged to, do, to be this CDO, right? the chief digital officer. That becomes one org. And that's what we're seeing with many of our large customers is many of our customers are their orgs, either they were in the CIO organization or the infrastructure organization or the cloud organization, they're all now being merged into the CDO org. And the goal then becomes for it to power a digital transformation through various apps, but without essentially leveraging infrastructure as a you know, boat anchor, right? It's more of an accelerator at that point. So there's debate on where that ends. Like, you know, we can talk about it with edge computing, like where, where does edge start and mm. the core begin? The same thing with infrastructure. You guys made a really interesting announcement around your capability with databases today and being able to, <clears throat> I, I don't even know the, the term, but the, to, to put a prism-like experience sure. to databases. Yeah. Talk about those areas around what we've considered traditionally infrastructure, uh, storage, network, compute, and as we go into this sure. middleware layer, where, where, where do you think you can help customers yeah, simplify yeah, 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 their, uh, their yeah. journey? I mean, I think, I think just to recap some of the ways that we have you know, approached this year is, look, we think about it as three layers of the cloud stack, which is we had compute storage virtualization and we sort of completed the IAS stack with our Flow product, which delivers one-click secure networks. And then, for the first time, even though our stack is good for running third-party workloads, just like the public cloud runs a lot of PaaS services, increasingly in enterprises, customers are asking for an opinionated view of a PaaS service. So we do have third-party partnerships with Cloudera, Hortonworks, a whole bunch of other third-party providers, but the core database workload, especially with Oracle being such a complex beast, but it's mainstream, Customers said, look, if you, can you provide a one plus one equals three kind of solution for the world of databases? And that's what Nutanix era is, and that sort of becomes our sort of cornerstone of our first pass service where we are trying to simplify database operations, including things like Oracle Rack, and that's what we demonstrated was to actually provision Oracle Rack in minutes, make clones, create dev instances, and democratize databases for the rest of developers using APIs. So that's the sort of evolution up the stack for us with Nutanix era, and then we didn't stop there. We also sort of, if I can call it, innovated with our first Nutanix SaaS service with this product called Beam, with the acquisition of Minjar, which essentially says, look, multi-cloud needs to start with visibility. And then obviously you enable control, and then you add operational automation and then visibility and so forth, right? So, so with Beam there, it sort of, sort of sets the stage for the fact that we can now add more to the multi-cloud portfolio. Yeah, Sunil, uh, Beam's an interesting one. Mm. Your, your first SaaS offering, uh, Keith and I were talking before this, there are lots of companies out there that are trying to tackle this yeah, challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With that have, you know, every single platform company out there is trying to tackle this, and then there's lots of independence. There's a lot that goes into, you know, maintaining, advising, uh, the, you know, the whole consultancy world, yeah, yeah. you know, has spent decades yeah, yeah, yeah. doing this. How do you balance product development efforts there versus you know, your core yeah, platform. Yeah. Uh, you know, do, do, should this be an indication that you're going to build out a SaaS portfolio in the future? You got, know, it, we, got it, got it, got it. That's a great question. So, so I think, just to take a step back, Minjar was an interesting company because uh, 
Um, because Netsil, the other acquisition, is also a born in the cloud SaaS service that will integrate for a hybrid you know, visibility into networking, but also standalone application operations. But Minjar had this interesting history where it was originally a high-end advisory service for AWS. It right. was in the top five service partners for AWS. And they actually had dozens of customers that they still operate and manage and provide, you know, get a lot of learnings from helping customers Sort of, they, they're like the Navy SEALs of uh, AWS and so forth, right? And then when they built this product, which is now called as Beam, what we think about it is that, look, we, that particular capability is a feature of a platform. It's not a standalone product category. What people are going to be looking forward to is a multi-cloud operational fabric that has an app store and a marketplace where I can go in and consume services, whether it be on-prem or off-prem, have a single pane of glass for visibility, again, on-prem or off-prem, and then do one-click automation or orchestration, right? And so the fact that this single pane of glass has to cut over on-prem as well as public clouds is the reason why we believe Nutanix has a play here to kind of make it a core feature because we at least own one pillar of it, which is the on-prem stack. And to the extent that we can do an honest job of extending it to do a deep job on AWS and GCP and others, then I think there's value at it. Yeah, how do you get closer to the application? When I, I, I look at this space, mm -hmm. Oracle, IBM, and Microsoft, We've yeah. all been talking some similar messages on this and that the, the cloud strategies that they've gone through mm. have that operational model and you know, they own these applications. Mm. So, you know, why Nutanix? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, a, it's another interesting question. So look, I think the world of apps, and I would say the power sh shift is happening, obviously. We know that with IBM. But even with Oracle as a mainstream uh, enterprise app, if you really look at, say, uh, a public cloud conference, especially AWS's conference, if anything, the only vendor that they take pot shots at is Oracle, because they see it as low-hanging fruit in the enterprise from a complexity side, right? And I think with the advent of cloud, the first time that customers have seen a real alternative to move away from this SQL engine on Oracle to a potential Postgres or other alternatives. But to do that, you need abstractions. I need to be able to simplify my current environment of Oracle, at the same time doing it in a way that I can actually harmonize the API so that, oh, at some point, can I actually create another instance, but it's on Postgres, right? And the more I can provide that abstracted APIs, the more you know, flexibility that's there for the customers to actually move from this you know, legacy apps to the next generation apps. So, so I think, I guess the simple answer to your question is, look, for us, even if you're not in the app business, if, if anything, it's an asset than a liability because then we can be completely neutral to the transformation from the old to the new. We have no skin in the game of keeping you in the old architecture. So if a customer says, look, I need to manage my old, but I need an accelerated way to get to the new cloud-native apps, then we're all for it. So Sunil, one of the, I think, I would call this one of the first principles of Nutanix is this ideal of one-click provisioning, the ability to simplify really complex, really hard things. Mm. You guys did it with HCI. The database management piece is another example. You're talking about it now with uh, HCS and cloud. Let's talk about the what happens when you zig when you should have zagged. Mm. When it came, in the case of going with Docker, the leading solution sure. at the time sure. seemed like the right approach to go. Now you guys are zagging. Mm. What makes Nutanix capable of making such a quick change mm. and providing the consistent layer, like as mm. customers go along with you on this journey <clears throat> and they count on APIs, they count mm. on integrations, they count on just the, that basic cap capability and that it's stable, what gives customers the comfort level that, you know what, 
the complex stuff, Nutanix will take care of. If there, there, if there needs to be a course correction from a culture and development platform perspective, they can, they can write this in. Yeah, no, I think, I think to your first question there, Keith, I think, look, in this era now, it doesn't matter which business you're in, the time to succeed obviously is accelerated, but the time to fail is also accelerated, right? We just have to internalize that in our DNA, I would say, of any high growth company, is to just be honest about failing fast. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think Docker was a thing a year and a half ago, and we were early to market. Mm -hmm. It was, and in fact, I would say it was our SEs and a couple of guys in Europe who actually recognized that, look, why are we focusing on all this when every customer that I talk to is testing out Kubernetes? And sure, we were sitting in Silicon Valley and Kubernetes was just coming up and so forth. And so, so I think it's two things. One, the internalization that, look, we have to fail fast in a high growth business like ours. And then two, having these sensors that give us indications of are we in the right course or not is also important. And so the other thing that I would say that has worked well with this company than my prior companies is the fact that it's, while it is hierarchical for scale, it is one is to end from a communications perspective. Whether it's things like Slack, things like the communi communication mechanisms, allow us to have that real-time touch with the five guys that focus on the customers and so forth. So, so for example, once the, once the clarity was there around ACS to kind of zag on Kubernetes, the whole system was able to lean in because the why of doing that was clear. The what and the how followed, right? right. And that's really what, how we'll keep it going. All right, so, Sunil, before we let you go, I want to bring yeah. back to the infrastructure yeah. side. You've had a, a few of the solutions that are growing really fast. Uh, I know you, you've highlighted uh, the AFS, the Acropolis File Services. Uh, you've got the new object service that, yep. that, that just got announced. At the core platform, what are the areas that are you know, catching wildfire? Yeah, uh, no, I, th customers? I think that's a great question. So on the core platform, which is still our bread and butter, to some extent, our core focus has been about it becoming like the OS for the enterprise, period, right? And there's no workloads left as an island. And right now, if I can, you know, three years ago, we were talking about workloads that we're good for. Nowadays, I talk about workloads that we're not good for. So if I'm a scale-up database that requires certification, I can tell you about some of those that we are short of getting certified, but once that happens, there should be no workload that we're not good for. And that's where AFS comes in, that's where object services come in, is these are all requirements in the core OS that are needed to solve for those kinds of workloads. And one thing though, to Keith's earlier point, that we've tried to keep honest, and that's why some of these take longer to come out, is that they still have to hold the bar of instant upgrades. Start small, start quickly, pay as you grow. They all have to follow the same ground rules, right? And that is what is keeping us honest, frankly, in the overall design. Okay, uh, want to give you the final word. Uh, Keith said, your customers consider Nutanix a partner. As they leave Nutanix.next 2018, how should they be considering Nutanix? No, I think, I think uh, leaving Nutanix, they should, they should recognize us as a company that obviously continues to be hungry, continues to have a bold vision. We, you know, in our core values, we'll make mistakes, we are vulnerable but we're you know, hopefully transparent about it, so that that's the, at the end of the day, uh, the core essence of a partnership is that level of transparency between two people, right? So, and that's what we're hoping uh, that customers will take away from the conference. All right, okay. well, Sunil, it's always been a pleasure to document everything going at since the inaugural uh, yeah. .next back yeah, in Miami, yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you at the next Great. show, yeah. uh, where we'll make sure to pin you on uh, you know, yeah, how, how yeah. we've gone first. So Sounds good. Sunil Bodhi and Keith Townsend, I'm Stu Miniman, be back with lots more coverage. Thanks for watching theCUBE. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to check out the Nutanix online community at next.nutanix.com for resources, blogs, 
and continuing the conversation in our forums. Remember that .next London will be happening in November. If you're a blogger, ping me and I can provide a blogger pass. Be sure to follow Nutanix Nation on Twitter for news and announcements. I can be reached at community at Nutanix.com if you have a show idea or would like to be a guest on an upcoming episode. And from the team here at Nutanix, have a great week. Thank you.